I think it'll be a little both. I think she'll come over, like, they'll start to do some things together, but I think she'll eventually die, and that'll probably mm. send him on that, like, all right, now all y'all gonna suffer. <laughs> I'm with it. I was about to say, I love it. That's true. Love <laughs> Destroy the world for me, please. Please. Uh, I, know that's I always think about, I always think about, have you started watching? Welcome back to another episode of Another Relaunch. I am Keenan. What's up, y'all? I am LZ. How are you doing today, LZ? I'm good. You know, it's it's looking like it's gonna be a beautiful day out today. Okay. Um, you know, I am I'm feeling good. The week has been all right. You know, still haven't found that person that's gonna help me stop working. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not I'm <been> looking. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking. Uh, I like, where you at? Where you at? Um, that's fine. I had, I had, a, I had a nice week. Also, I just worked. Uh, literally, I think my only motivation these days is getting up and going to the gym. It's really. I'm actually waiting for the second sh- shutdown at this point with the new COVID variants and everything popping up. Yeah, they just got us on another mask-like mandate. Starting, really? yeah, like starting tonight. They were like, yeah. y'all, y'all don't know what y'all are doing, so <laughs> put your masks I'm, back I'm on. Okay. It's, it's, it's gotten really hot here, and so I, I'm I'm okay being in the house for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know? That. but the, um, you know, I, I have my comics. And speaking of, let's go ahead. We can actually get to the comics of the week now. It's a very special week, though. You actually, um, you didn't have any books this week, did you? I did not know. <laughs> I did not. Wow, you know, wow, wow, wow. I looked at my like pull list because most of the things that I have I've been really enjoying I subscribe to, so they automatically download. I am a digital reader. Um, I rarely go and get physical books anymore unless it's something um like big. Actually, I need to go get X Men number one and get that Polar variant. I'm gonna go get that. But <laughs> <laughs> but like yeah. I was looking at my pull list and I was like, wow, I dropped a lot of books. <laughs> and I feel like a lot of the characters who I enjoy, or just in general, uh, the like Marvel Universe and the DC Universe are like missing. Like not even like, I know sometimes I can like smaller, you know, known characters or whatever. So I get Wonder Man isn't gonna be present, but like where's Ant-Man or like Hawkeye or like, I don't know, Quicksilver. Mm-hmm. A lot of these <laughs> characters who I may not like 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 that, but you think there'd be a lot more of them around. Yeah, I guess, I guess Marvel. I feel like Marvel is very much in um, the the new era of a lot of their heroes. Uh, you're gonna get mm. like a lot of champion type of characters, or if you are getting Hawkeye, you're probably gonna get Kate Bishop or something like that. And then I just think also the X Men have taken like such a bigger standing in the Marvel universe again that you know. Mm. When the was on top, we don't really care about anybody else. Yeah, so. that's fair. But the most of them books um, are bad. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this week's books. 
first up on our list is one of the like my favorite titles of all time, and it's Seven Secrets, number ten, written by Tom Taylor with art from Dale Danielle Dianuclo and uh, colors from Walter Biamonte. And so I, I think I've talked about this book a lot. I've really enjoyed it. Like I think the story is really great. I think this was the first issue that like it really like clicked to the next level for me. I know we've often talked about how Tom Taylor can have a lot of kumbaya moments in his books where it, you, it feels like a little, you know, everything's going to work out. You know, everything's going to be good. So throughout this everyone's, entire everyone's book, everyone's going to hug and, and get get nice. <laughs> yeah, and you might get like some bad things every now and again, but it's still kind of like you know it's going to work out. Um, this book has been uh, getting told by the main character Casper, the black kid who like is a part of the order now. And so in this issue his mom got dubbed the new like number one keeper of all the secrets. So we find out that the guy who is his dad is actually still alive. So the mom and him have like a quick moment and then she like snaps right back into action. She's like, we gotta get we gotta we don't necessarily want to separate because we are going to be weaker if we're not together. However, we can't all be in one big group like this. So we need to get to go and one of the guys comes up to her his name is Kanto he's like I need to go back to Switzerland to get one of the secrets that was still left there and it's the one that basically blew up Switzerland and left it all into dust and he's like I want to take certain members of the order with me so he takes this black because basically he don't trust the black girl her name is Laquita and he's like, <laughs> come on Laquita <laughs> <laughs> he's like that when they were trying to decide who was basically going to be in charge of the organization again, she like jumped up. She was one of the people like, I'll do it. He was like, she was a little too quick. And so he wants to take her to keep an eye on her. However, it's also now making me look at him suspicious because it's like, well, why are you looking at Laquita? Like, is she might be finding out your little secret and you don't want her on top? So it's been really interesting because you're starting to really get to know and love a lot of these characters. And now here you're kind of looking at them like, oh, somebody is supposed to be a traitor. I forgot about that. And now it's really starting to get a little bit more serious. But Ava and the son Casper go to England. They go find Queen Jetta. She's this black queen. She's currently in hiding in a bunker. They dispose of all her agents. They find her, but she's super fun. She's like, you know, what are you doing here? She knows Ava. And she says, I'll help you find the mole in your organization if you get me out of this bunker. They basically go and kidnap her prime minister because they think he is one of the people who's a part of it. And she just has a really fun moment. He's like, you know, what are you doing, your majesty? She's like, I'm a queen. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> like, I need to get into this. That sounds like my kind of it's girl. Like, <laughs> it's, it's really so then you get back to Kanto's group, and he's got, you know, Laquita and uh, some of the other folks on his team, and they're going to find the secret. And they, like, see this destroyed area of Switzerland and he's like you know we're going to stay on boat we're not going to go there by land he's like I don't think it's healthy to walk through the air of dead corpses and I was like ooh that's kind of like, <laughs> like, like <laughs> okay um, but then throughout all of that Casper is narrating this from the future pretty much Have you, you've read Saga before right yeah I'm a big fan you remember how like the daughter was narrating the story of the parents and all of that? This is yeah. that same. That's what Casper's doing. He's like narrating the story, and so it basically says that like, oh, one of those people in the group that Canto and Laquita are in is definitely a traitor, and somebody's gonna die. Soon. And so cool. it was kind of like, and, and so it was like, oh, okay, this is getting really, really good, and like it's starting to like click, like the intensity and like the the stakes of the story are really starting to hit home. So it, it continues to be a good book. I'd rate it a four out of five. The art, as I've always said, is very kinetic. They do uh, action scenes really well. Like, I'm starting to 
I'm starting to remember characters' names, and that's how I know. Them <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you know, sometimes you kind of go through, and I gotta like flip back and like, who was this again? It was like, no, I'm remembering these people. So I was like, oh, I'm getting a little bit attached. So consistently good. I think everyone should go pick it up if you have not. Amazing. Um, and next up on our list, this was a brand new book this week, and it is Barbarella Number One from Sarah Hoyt and Madibek Musabekov with colors from Ivan Nunez. Now, um, I don't know if you know, but I'm actually a really big Barbarella fan. You know, okay, and... so fun fact for the <laughs> listeners, I actually do know that because when you and I first like <laughs> met each other years ago, you would talk about uh-huh. Barbarella. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> I didn't know people like each other like that, but tell me. <laughs> yeah, like, so I'm like, really a big Barbarella. I don't, I don't even know. Like, the Jane Fonda in the movie, like, I've read a lot of the Barbarella comics. Mike Carey actually has a Barbarella series that I highly recommend to people. Um, so, I, mean, I didn't even know this was coming out. <laughs> <laughs> like, all aspects of it. Like, every yeah. single one. She hits it. That's my girl. Um, and so, I actually didn't even know this book was out. I was, like, on Comicsology, browsing the new titles of the week. And I, I always do that when I have, like, a small pull week, because I had a slightly small pull week this week. And so I was like, oh, Barbarella number one. I was like, okay, let's get into it. Um, so I picked it up. It's kind of, you know, starting from the beginning of Barbarella's tale. She's going to this one planet. They're in the middle of a war, and they've, like, called out to her. The character Victory has called out to Barbarella. She's like, you know, you've been known to fight in a lot of wars, and you've been known to, like, shed as little blood as you possibly could. We really like you to help us get to this place of peace. And so Barbarella kind of joins their mission. So she's going to other places and starting to help them sign the treaties to do you know, come over and stop fighting. But of course she's doing it in her Barbarella way. Some people she fights, some people she has uh, sex with. She uses her wiles, but then people start to kind of get onto her. Like, she's like, it seems like people know I'm coming now and they're chasing after me. And so they go to this other planet called Camelot. And on this planet, she's there and she's saying, you know, nobody's looking at me. This planet is weird. She's like, I've never gone anywhere where not, neither a man nor a woman has not looked at me in some type of way. <laughs> She's like, look at me. <laughs> She's like, and so they gave her this ship and basically the ship created this holographic man. They're like, it goes off people's, uh, their emotions and it creates an avatar of what they feel as though would be most nurturing to her. So it's like this white man with these angel wings. And he's just very beautiful, matching Barbarella. And he even says it to her when she's on the planet upset that no one's looking at her. He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, because you're just so beautiful and your body's amazing and sexual and lustful that, like, everybody looks at you. But nonetheless, they find out something is going on on the planet. There is this mix that's going into the drinks and it's basically making all the people emotionless, excuse me. And so, like, because they have no emotion, they can't be, like, super attracted to her. And that's a problem. The art... It's nice. Do you remember Mike Choi? He did yeah. X. The art is similar to his. Okay. Um, in that type of style, a, a, a little less glossy, but in that same vein. The writing on this is fine. I think it's a little bit heavy-handed. There's a lot of things that you kind of can understand and guess what's happening but the book still tells you what's happening. Like like I said, when she was on the planet, and she's like, oh, people don't look at me. She's like, people don't not look at me. And the ship says, oh, yeah, because you're so beautiful. And that's what it's like, yeah, we already know those things about Barbara. Like, 
we don't care about that. <laughs> and they just tend to tell you a lot of things, even when they're kind of getting to the plot of how these people are not having feeling any emotion. Barbara's like, oh, that's why nobody's looking at me. Because again, I am so sexy and beautiful and lustful that everyone should look at me like this is the only way. So it was a little odd there, but I'm willing to stick with it because again, I like Barbarella. I think the whole thing of like who's taking over this planet, why they're doing it, that could be interesting. So I give it a three out of five. Okay. Did it meet your expectations for like, you know, like I said, I met you <laughs> years ago and you were a pretty big Barbarella fan. So does this like, does this number one like? Mm, yes and no. Okay. I think Does it have room to grow? I think it, yes, it definitely has room to grow. Lots of room to grow. Um, I think the the aspect of like the sci-fi world and what they're doing, the futuristic aspects of it are very nice. I think the essence of what Barbarella is is supposed to be here. I just wish it wasn't hitting us over the head so heavily. Mm, yeah. Um, even like when it even when it creates the ship and it's like this beautiful man who we obviously know she's going to sleep with later on which she does um it's just kind of like eh okay cool but again it's Barbarella. i feel as though it could just be a first issue thing like we're yeah just gonna yeah put it all out like you said room to grow three out of five next up on the list you really need to read this book but it's action comics the annual number one and this is written by philip kennedy johnson with art by sia Oam and scott godlewski hi-fi does the colors and again i keep telling you that you should read this book because you should read this book i know it is exactly what you want like it has everything that you want. <laughs> i've i've like, you are not the only person who has told me that like action comics is really good and i would probably really like it it's just something about superman and the kryptonians like you know, I love space, uh, okay. but out, out in DC space, like even the Kryptonians in space are still like overpowered. Mm-hmm. Where space for me always feels like the like the field is leveled out. Mm-hmm. Even out mm-hmm. there, they mm-hmm. they're yeah. like infinitely stronger than everybody else. Yeah, so you don't get that from this book. And so this is what I will say about this. Um, this also let's talk about the annual. So basically, the annual is taking place in the future. Remember how I've been telling you in the book, Superman found a lost colony of um, Kryptonians, and mm-hmm. the, he's trying to protect them. And one of them is this little black girl. I think that the story who's getting told, or who's getting the story told to, is that black girl. And this is supposed to be her when she was younger. And so her like grandfather is telling her this story that happens in the future. And this story is about the House of L, who showed up in Future State. Now, I think one of the things that we talked about in Future State was that it felt like none of the stories really mattered. We was like, these all sound like things that would be good, like happening to the characters right now. And DC has really been really good about actually moving their characters and those stories to that Future State space. Now, in the Future State book of there, we met, we met all of those characters and we have a bunch of different ones here. We're getting a little bit of a story of before them, of before that story. If that, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's been okay. leading okay. up to the Future State, yeah. Bam, exactly. Um, and so it has the marriage of one of the characters, Alora L, and like this guy, Khan. And so- Alora, she's, I've seen stuff with her before. Oh, really? She's, I didn't know. Yeah. Mm. Or at least I've heard that name before. In, in she relations. might have 
Tony is. I, I feel like the name has popped up a couple of times. I think them, she just might be like a just another person who has the name. Um, but like super superwoman Kara is alive and she's officiating this wedding between the two people. She's got on like that like her future state costume. It actually looks really good in the context. I remember when I first saw the art of it, I was like, I don't know how I feel about it. But I in this like but like in the context of this story and like how she's kind of officiating the wedding she's like the high priestess high mother of the house of l and all this stuff it works it like makes a lot more sense so i was like okay like this feels like an outfit that she should wear um but basically we see a lot of the kent the l family we have rowan and ronan kent they're the black cousins Mm -hmm. um Rowan is a Blue Lantern, and Ronan is the Superman of New Metropolis. There's Brandon Kent, who is the Superman of Earth, and his daughter, Theander. And they have a cousin, Theros, who is actually the son of Kal-El and Cersei. Oh, okay. From a different yeah. future, or like alternate timeline or something? or Like from the future state universe. So basically, oh, okay. in the future state, in the future state universe, um, when Superman comes into contact with Theros, he says that Cersei created him like using magic and genetics and all this stuff like that. But Clark is always, you know, it's Clark. You my son. But right. you're assuming that like Cersei made Feroz like from Superman's DNA or something like that. Um, but he comes, so one of the things a part of the wedding is for Khan to really be accepted into the House of El, he has to go into combat and prove himself worthy. So he's about to fight Brandon, but Feroz pops in and he's like, no, I want to fight him. He basically betrays everybody, and he sends all of them to the Phantom Zone. Mm. And in the Phantom Zone, they're, like, fighting all the monsters. Also note that they have one of their friends, Brainiac 4, with them also in the Phantom Zone. Oh, okay. And they're fighting all the monsters, but they realize they're getting weaker because there's no yellow sun there. And so it's like they need to start working as a team. But being that how Superman operates, he's always by himself, so they've never worked with a team, so they're not good at it. They come in contact with cyborg superman who has been trapped in the phantom zone brandon automatically notices him he's like you're the big traitor nobody likes you you've killed all these people we can't trust him but he's like look you guys are getting weaker you've never been here i've survived here all this time i'm a cyborg i don't get weak you need to trust me and follow me he lets them know that there is a way that they can get back to earth they just have to find this device from someone who he saw before who he hasn't come back in contact with he leads them through they go to find Mr. Miracle's dead body. This is the Mr. Miracle from Future State again with a mother box. The Brainiac 4 connects with it, opens up the portal, more monsters come out. Brandon's like, I knew I couldn't trust you, Cyborg Superman. And Superman's like, what you talking about? He's like, you know, that Mr. Miracle, he didn't die from like a monster here or one of the, uh, one of the villains. He was like, it was heat vision to his spine. All <laughs> <laughs> right. And Cyborg Superman is like, yeah, you're right. And so he betrays the team. <laughs> he tries to take the other box. But of course, you know, they work. At this point, they've been in this Phantom Zone for so long that they've kind of learned how to work together. They find a way to beat him the whole time. This is going on in the real world. Um, Feroz has basically taken over New Krypton. He's got uh, Superwoman locked up. He works for Apocalypse. So their demons and parademons are popping up. But the team gets back. They beat Feroz. Cyborg Superman comes through the portal and Superwoman's about to kill him. But they're like, you know, he kind of helped us get out of here. He is a bad guy, but like whatever. So she's like, you can go on and live your life, but don't give us a reason to come looking for you. Because if you do, we're going to kill you that time. 
the marriage goes through, and it's beautiful. Oh. We do a quick flashback again to the man who's telling the story to the kids. And one of the parts of the story, they talk about how they found this little silver piece. And it was supposed to represent, like, hope for Krypton and the House of Bell and all that stuff. The little girl has that piece in her hand. Oh. So she, yeah, so it's like, but again, I think this is the girl who Superman found on the uh, Kryptonian refugee ship. Very good issue. Uh, this sounds like this does sound like everything exactly that I would like. Like it's giving, you know, cosmic. It's giving space. It's also giving like cosmic adjacent because it's not mm-hmm. all all out in space. You get your planets. You get a ton of world building. And again, you know, I've never been a huge Superman fan. Everybody knows this. I say this all right. the time. But like this feels so different from any Superman story that I've ever read before because a, and I was tweeting about this earlier too. It's like everything feels very intentional. Like you know that John is going to become Superman. You know that the House of L is actually going to become a thing. You know that Superman's about to get this huge family, and it's something that he's never really had before. I think Superman and Batman are very similar in the fact that technically they're both loners. The big three also. Wonder Woman's the same kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that they don't typically work with a lot of people, except for with Batman, you have had him building this big family and network of heroes and, uh, like, kids and whatever. Superman has never really had that. He's had Lois. He had Kara to an extent, and then that was really it, because they do whatever what they can with Superboy. I don't... He's popping yeah, in. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, now he has John. So John feels uh, cemented. And now, again, we're seeing all of these other characters who look like they're coming into the life right now. And it's just like, this is so like cool and big for Superman to finally get like this type of world building for him. And Krypton, Lord knows I love some good world building. And mm-hmm. seeing how we get up to that point and the lore that's being built around it. It's great. I'm, it's like, I think I'm probably going to have to hop into this soon because it sounds like what I, what I like. It, it's just been a really good story. What was um, right? The- four out of five for this issue, for sure. Oh, wow. For an annual, that's great. Um, the two artists, you know, I, I, I think both did a really good job. We There's, like, this one scene where they talk about the Phantom Zone and, like, what it actually is. You know, they were saying how it was created to never be this place where people came to die. But it was, like, created as the space where you would just sleep, never age, never move. So the prisoners could stay there, but there's like this invisible god who slept there, and then they woke the god up, and then the god created all the monsters and things that are killing people, and it's just it's it's hot. It just looks good. Mm. It's a good book. Everyone should read it. I had a good comics week. <laughs> Next up on the list is um, Way of X number four, and that's from Simon Spurrier, Bob Quinn, and colors from Java Tartaglia. Now, I know you don't really... I've seen a couple of people say they don't really care for this book. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I get... <laughs> I guess I can understand why. I feel as though it's a little bit of a slow burn um, in the way that the way it's being told. However, I just think, for me personally, I think the concepts are so exciting. I think there's so many questions that you ask after reading an issue. And this one is no different for me. So it kind of starts out with the character Lost. She's telling Nightcrawler and Legion this story. They're on a Rocco and they're just kind of, she's talking about, you know, just the hunter and the hunted and all this. It basically talks about Fabian Cortez and it's like why she doesn't really like him. We come to find out later on that he might've killed some people very close to her, but Mm -hmm. Nightcrawler goes to confront him and he's using his powers on Gorgon. This is the first time we've seen Gorgon, I think since X of Swords. Mm -hmm. 
uh, resurrection being told he's different. And Cortez is just talking about how he's come back a little bit stranger, but he's enhancing his uh, telepathic abilities. So he's feeling all the hate of like all the humans and people around him. And he's Nightcrawler, uh, he's basically telling Nightcrawler, like, you got two choices. Like, you can kill him, you know, before he goes crazy and starts killing humans, and you got to throw him in the pit. Or, like, you can kill me and do all this other stuff. You could uh, commit suicide, and that goes against, like, the faith that you have and all of those things. Because, again, a big part of this book is talking about, like, life and death. And, you know, what uh, what does death mean when you can never really die because you can be resurrected? Or, you know, what is is anything worth dying for when you don't really have anything to lose? Basically, he does it in Nightcrawler fashion. He makes everybody laugh and changes the tone of everyone. So Gorgon still up and he starts picking up happiness. And as a result, it makes everybody else happy. And then he like punches Cortez, takes him. He's like, I'm going to have you talk for <laughs> Um, But you get some other interesting aspects from other characters. Dust makes an appearance on this. And she's like going to battle some major uh, sandstorms that have happened on Araco. She's like, the Omegas messed something up when they terraformed the planet. So like, I got to try and stop this. But of course, the Iraqi mutants are all about it. They're like, oh, a sandstorm that's about to cut our flesh. They're like, send it our way. We'll fight it. And it will only make us stronger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I love so, it. Dust, like, I was like, that's dope. Um, but Dustin's is like, it probably looks bad from like a PR perspective for the island that we just created or the planet that we just terraformed to get destroyed by sandstorm. So she's going to go do her thing, which really great to see because Dust is a character of all the new X-Men. There are three that I think truly deserve greatness. Pixie, Surge, and Dust. And oh, like... But, like, those girls, like, are everything. And, and Dust, like, a, the thing I also really like about Dust is that, like, she's kind of a cutthroat character. And that she, has yes. been something that's been consistent no matter what her parents like from me. Like, she will kill you. Like, without hesitation. She's a down girl. And she's down for, like, the mutant calls. And I think even when she popped up in Champions, like, that was the thing. She was like, no. She's like, I'm not like these other people. I'll flay your flesh from your bones. And it was like, okay, sister. I, I love you. <laughs> um, and then on the other half of the story, you have Legion. He's talking with Xavier in the Green Lagoon. And there are a bunch of other mutants around. Nemesis, Dazzler, Jesse Bedlam is in the foreground. Oh, he can be seen. okay. Um, Come on, cameo. And, okay. And the cameo king, this is like his fourth one now. He's All everywhere. Right. Um, and so Lee just talking to Xavier just about Onslaught and how he's there and he's making all these people feel hatred and blah, blah, blah. Basically, he works it so onslaught makes an appearance and the scorn brothers are following legion around too and we find out now that there it's at legion's request he said that if his personality starts to get crazy or he starts to get out of control he wants them to basically obliviate him okay i mean they can do it yeah yeah and so they're like it was his request and so once onslaught kind of does that they all work together to kill everybody in the bar (laughs) and obliterate (laughs) them (laughs) but he's like again like the resurrection protocol so you know they're all about to come back um and then from there they also go on mars and legion talks about how people are scared and sometimes they need a place to go where they can feel safe and so he the swarm brothers basically do something with him playing remember how uh gene and jamie did the station and planet size where she put the idea in his head and then he created it it seems like legion did something similar to that with his abilities Uh, and he was like i'm gonna create he's basically creating a temple and that's where the issue ends so i really enjoyed this story again i think it just it has a lot of just complexities to 
the characters and what they're going through and it explores them in a really fascinating way in my opinion and i'm into it i'm not sure how long this book is long for the world because again i do know a lot of people don't really care for it it is kind of a slow burn and i think the art again bob quinn is a very serviceable artist um i felt that's serviceable that maybe he wasn't fitting the tone of it, but I do feel like he, 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 I feel like he has a good essence of it. I honestly think it might be the colors of this book. And I tweeted this earlier also. I said, it feels like watching a horror movie in the daytime. Oh like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so it's just like, it does not hit as hard as you want it to. And so it's like, I, I wish somebody would come in and make it a little bit darker and moodier in tone. Um, if not, then maybe an artist who pulls that off a little bit better. Um, but I think that's really where, but um, that's kind of the experts as a whole with the art. But, yeah, um, they do need a little bit of an overhaul as far as the artists go. Um, not that a lot of people are bad. It's bad. Just, I think it's just like matching artists with the concept they of the They don't feel like they match the tone. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's been weird. Um, but again, I really like the story. I'd give it a 3.5 out of 5 for sure. Um, again, don't know how much longer it's got, but I'm into a lot. And my final book of the week, my mm. favorite book, Oliver 22. And this comes to us from Great Peeny Howard with art from Marcus Tell and the colors are by Eric Arcianega. <sighs> what an issue. Now, okay, things looking up for Miss Betsy Braddock? I think, it's, I think it's time to pick this book back up. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're making some moves. We're making some moves. Um, so the issue basically starts off from the preview. Uh, Betsy and Excalibur are in the Blightspoke area with Beast. He's collecting samples to take home to start to study. Again, I'm really interested. This is a plot point that really interested me just because I want to see if it's going to tie more into Planet Araco. I feel like a lot of the things that mutants are doing right now are for Planet Araco and making sure that that is a success. And so they're talking about, you know, there are minerals in here that we can use to um, sustain us and like do new things with. They're similar to the ones we have on Earth, but they'll act in completely different ways. Um, Whitechapel, who is like, I don't remember her from Exosaur, she had on like the red suit, the cowboy hat, had the Western look. Mm, yeah. Um, but <laughs> I do remember. Um, <laughs> this, and it's not even like, you know, Rihanna was talking about remembering that girl. <laughs> I actually do remember this. <laughs> Um, yeah, she pops up and she's like, you know, you can't steal stuff from Blightspoke. This is like my area. Beast is like, basically, I have this 3D replica. It'll m let me take it without actually taking it. And so she's like, okay, cool. Um, then we find out that Betsy is at the Citadel with Saturnine. Merlin has called the court. He hates the mutants, pretty much. And he's like, they're ruining Otherworld. And Saturnine needs to do something about it. And we see a bunch of different people from the other kingdoms kind of talking about it. There's like the bugs, the hot hive. We see pestilence and salmon again, um, as they technically are the rulers of Dryador. So <laughs> they're there representing that. So did um, you get like all of the realms represented at this? Um, well, yeah, all of them were there. That's cool. uh, Jamie was there for Avalon. We had the vampire Sevalith. Merlin is the fake kingdom. Uh, Roma was there for the Regina the floating one. Um, so it was really cool to see all of them. And again, this is, I really wanted to get into the kingdoms a lot more. And I think that's kind of like an issue that I've been having with Avalon, where it's like everything feels so old there. Everywhere else feels like magical. And it's like exciting and new. Whereas there, it's just like, oh, this is just really old. <laughs> <laughs> but 
seeing pestilence and famine also really interested me because it's like, oh, are Apocalypse and Genesis also chilling in Dry Door? Because like I thought they all went back to Ameth and X of Swords, but again, oh, they were the rulers. I guess they just couldn't leave it. So like, who's there? What is their land looking like now? Like, are mutants springing up over there? But of course, the summoners were in Blight Spoke. We didn't see any of them, but I would really like to. Um, so you've got all that going on. Saturnine is asking Betsy, she's saying, what are you going to do about Merlin? He's basically declaring war on me. And Betsy's like, well, he's declaring, declaring war on you and mutants. And she's like, Excalibur is here to protect the mutants in the other worlds, so don't worry. I'm not going to let him do anything. I always plan to go there. I don't really need your permission. It was nice to see Betsy have a little bit of her body. Betsy speaking? Um, okay. Like, it was cute. Um, <laughs> All right. Um, her and Saturnine are like kind of going back and forth and Saturnine's like you need to do this and Betsy's saying you know that's almost a proper request and it's just a cute I, I don't really know if the dynamic should be there just yet I feel like there should have been a little bit more tension especially when she got her killed in X of Swords <laughs> it's like <laughs> you know I, I would have liked to see a little bit more of that get settled first before we got to this point but they could just be letting it go. We got to move on anyway. So it is what it is. Um, it doesn't sound like they're like becoming besties. You know, it sounds like they are. Uh, it sounds like they skipped the tension part. And now it's just like we are frenemy coworker things. You know, I'm like we like we got to work together. Like I Betsy, again, Betsy said it. She's like Excalibur is here to protect the mutants of other worlds. I also know I have responsibility to the Citadel. I'm not going to not do my job. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about that. She's like, but you don't got to boss me around. I get that. <laughs> <laughs> I get that a lot. Um, and so they break into Merlin's place to free some fairies that he had. Uh, Gambit does some cool things with his powers. He charges up a luck, luck magic card to get them out of the space. Richter tunnels them out of the ground. When they do come into contact with Merlin, he tries to kill them. Uh, Gambit also uses connect kinetic abilities to charge up a train to get them moving. It's the most Gambit's done. It's really interesting to see how useful he becomes when Rogue is not around. You know, a lot of things are tend to start shaking. <laughs> you know, when Rogue when Rogue not around. <laughs> uh, so start to start moving when she's gone. <laughs> so that happens. Um, and it was just it was exciting to see the team kind of like being a team and like doing something in Avalon or whatever, you know. Um, I think that we also have the I know, right? What is that? <laughs> I don't even know what kind of alarm that was. <laughs> um we also have on Krakoa, Pete Wisdom has been brought back. He got killed in the last issue by the Clan of Kava at the Gala, Hellfire Oh, Gala. he was resurrected already. Okay. He was resurrected, and he was like, oh, get me back to Britain. I don't want to be on this island with you mutants because he's a self-hating mutant. And Megan's like, no, you actually can't go back. Like, Krakoa and England is no longer a thing. You, oh, yeah, that's right, yeah close down all the gates there so he can only go to Braddock Isle so he's like really depressed around Krakoa but he starts doing all this research and at the end he asks for some people to be brought back and they are the former side agents that Betsy used to work with and strike oh you're getting strike again okay I'm getting strike wait. again <laughs> all right, way to bring it full circle with strike okay, okay. it was like <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was like really really exciting to see you know strike is a side division they were basically um the british version of shield and betsy was a part of their side division so the thing was they never knew they were mutants back then 
Um, so when so when Pete Wisdom actually brings them back, he like has to tell them he's like, hey, you're on Krakoa now. You all are mutants. That means you can't really die. We actually see him in this is the price of state going through all the different aspects of Krakoa. We see him in a research period, so he's looking them up and learning more about them. We get a nice little data page that kind of has their names, what their code name is, and a color associated with them. Apparently, it's supposed to be a reference to alchemy and spells. So I'm assuming we're going to see a little bit of mutant magic with those four coming back. Um, Allison Double is one of Betsy's closest friends from that period. Tom Lennox is actually her former fiance, who uh, he was killed by a fury and they were psychically linked. So it's going to be really exciting to see them interact and like how she kind of reacted to Tom Lennox being back. It was something I truly was not expecting. I really recommend, uh, I really love that Teeny did that. And I think this is a part of just seeing her writing grow. Again, I've always said that Excalibur can be a frustrating book. I have never denied that fact, but it has continuously been improving. And I think she's really gotten to a good point now. The uh, team feels cool. Jubilee's still kind of useless. Well, but... that's normal. Exactly. Her, we, and it's it's weird, though, also, because obviously we're using her son for the dragon, so he's a mean transportation. So right. it's like you see him with her in Blight's book. But then when they're fighting Merlin, Richter even makes a comment. He's like, oh can't you just call Shogo to fly us out of here? And she's like, oh, my baby's not coming anywhere near this place. But it's like, girl, why'd you bring him? <laughs> yeah, see, I feel like, unlike unlike Rogue, she at least has, Rogue at least has, like, the, the superhero aspect to her, where she can go off and be that or whatever. I really don't know, like, what other kind of story, like, Jubilee has other than she's just been his, Shogo's mom. But, like, with him being the dragon... You don't really need her around. And it's just it's just weird because again, it's like you want you want him close to you. It's either you need to leave the team or you need to accept that we're gonna fly on this dragon when we need to get out of trouble. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. We're not gonna have him around for no reason, especially if you're gonna keep bringing him. Which she can leave the team, honestly. We can bring somebody else in. There are a lot more interesting characters who could probably fit the little tone and uh, mood of mutant magic and Excalibur's like old. I still don't understand why Pixie isn't on that team. That just makes the most sense Pixie to me. Pixie would have been good, you know? Um, and, and I'm pretty sure we could turn Pixie into a dragon. She's a fairy. There Whatever you go. You gotta do. Um, but, oh, no, I would also... The art, I felt like, was a lot better on this as well. Again, I feel like it fit the tone of the story. It, it finally feels like they connected. I feel like a lot of times there's been a disconnect uh, between the art and the writing to where there were times where it was trying to tell you more than it was saying or it was saying more than it was showing you. I feel like this one had a nice balance of doing both. And mm. it clicked. The strike stuff was interesting. I'm really eager to see where that goes, how Pete continues to use them. Obviously, they're going to be trying to get back at Clan Akaba in the UK. They did kill Pete. They got them banished from England. So I'm hip. I'm into it. It's great. This is a good time. What would time. you rate it? I rate it 3.5 out of 5. Okay. For sure. Um, seeing the other kingdoms was really interesting. Again, I would like to get into a little bit more. If we're going to stay in Avalon and see it more, I would just want it to be a little bit more exciting. Yeah. Um, but the other kingdoms seem very exciting. So I will say that. Maybe you're going to get a little bit more of an exploration into all those other kingdoms now that they're like really going into other worlds and doing that. So. I, I hope so. I'm pretty sure we are. I think uh, Doctor Doom is actually going to show up in a future issue. Oh, okay. That makes sense. That be, and, and Betsy and Betsy really thrives off of those type of characters, like Saturnine, Apocalypse, Magneto, 
Doctor Doom. Like those oh, she does, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like those are Storm. Like those are some of her best interactions. So I'm really excited for that issue. Someone with that kind of presence like that, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. So those were the comics of the week. Nice roll around. Hopefully you heard something that might you want to pick it on up. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and take a break, and then we'll come back for our panel. Let's do it. Welcome back, y'all, for another panel. And this time we are going to get a little uh, multiversal, you know, with everything going on right now in Marvel and EDC as well. Uh, you know, they're pretty much, their crown jewel is the multiverse, you know. And uh, with Loki coming out and with the What If animation, uh, t- the animated TV show coming out, I wanted to talk a bit about the multiverse. Now, I will go ahead and say, Right off the bat, I'm not the biggest fan <laughs> of the multiverse at all. Mm-hmm. Mostly because, like, I've never really liked when it bleeds over into the other universe and it doesn't have, a, like, a resolution. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. when characters or anything kind of bleeds over into, like, the whatever the main universe is, but, like, they are just kind of stuck there. I, don't, I never feel like feeling like something is redundant or, like... Like what's the like what's the point there? Is that who you're talking about? (laughs) I mean, Rachel is an example, yes. (laughs) Rachel Summers is definitely an example. Like you can go back to your own time. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Uh do you have any feelings about the multiverse? Uh are you a fan? Do you like those types of characters? I have feelings about it. I don't think they're good feelings. But yeah, I don't like the multiverse or time travel at all. There's been a few exceptions. Obviously, like I just really enjoyed Heroes Reborn, which was an alternate universe, and it was kind of multiverses. And I and I will always admit that they can be fun, mm-hmm. um, because in them you can do a lot of things with characters that you wouldn't normally be able to do in the main universe. And who doesn't love to see maybe like their favorite character as an evil person or like doing something that again you never see them do regularly. Or just in a position like when you see Storm and she's like the Thor of her universe. It's just like, oh, okay, this is different. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of times the stories can feel a bit inconsequential. And at that point, it's just like, oh, what was the point of this when I could have just stayed on like the main storyline? I I don't mind when it's a future. I don't mind when it's a future plot line. And the future plot line is obviously supposed to be leaving Easter eggs for like what the book is going to do. Okay. So you do uh, like going to the future at least yeah. if you have time stories. I can go a little bit into the future as as long as we're like sure that some of these things are gonna happen. Like don't just take me to the future and then two issues later say like, oh yeah, none of that's gonna actually happen here. It doesn't again, it doesn't matter. You could have kept me on the main story. Um the X books like, have that bad, I feel like they go to the future and see all different kinds of kids and all different types of <laughs> stories. Yeah. <laughs> and you think you think um, that like some of it may end up becoming true, but like. Mm-hmm. And again, I I think even them, they're an example of sometimes which no, I think that the Age of Apocalypse is a really great story. It's a big alternate reality storyline. Uh, some things did carry over, but again, even with that, it was like Bishop going to this place to get back to the main timeline 
and it was just that opportunity to show something fun or do something different with characters you've never seen. But it also did bring a bunch of new characters in. That's how we got Blink, and um, and 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 Jesse Bedlam actually also came from that. Really? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't um, know that. His first canon appearance was actually in the Factor X issue um, with Cyclops and Havoc and them in the book. And then he came to the main 616 after that. Did they, like, pull him over? No, he was just a new character with the same name. Like, he was that character, but, like, the origin and everything was obviously different. Gotcha. Um, Do you like when they do that, whenever they bring a character who was introduced in another universe, but then just say that they've always were in the other one that i also think can be a little bit tricky because i feel like the character that you came to love isn't the same character that you're reading about now mm-hmm. uh, and then i think sometimes you can go into it and you say well even if the characters do act the same it's like they didn't really go through the same thing so why would they have the same personality so like with jesse bedlam like the char- the jesse bedlam that you saw in the age of apocalypse is not the one that you saw that appeared in x-force at what all. was the main difference um just in I would guess you could say the confidence level was the one in Age of Apocalypse. He was very sure of himself. Him and his brother had a much closer relationship. Um, they like wrestled a lot. They fought a lot. They they like specifically went and fought Cannonball and his sister for. Uh, they were like a little bit more leader esque. And the one in the six one six was obviously not that. He was a little bit more anxiety ridden. He had like some mental health issues. Him and his brother weren't close at all. Um, so, but I like. They both kind of hit the. <laughs> <laughs> um, so again, it, it can just be touch and go. But I think of a character like I'm trying to think of who else has been brought over. I get well. I one of you... one of my favorites is like Miles Morales. He was kind of brought over to the mm-hmm. to the main universe. Um, except his was more of a that character brought into the main universe versus them just saying the Miles Morales of our universe also exists, so just <laughs> go with that. Yeah. And then, the, didn't they introduce a Miles Morales of the 616? Yes. And he yes. was, like, an adult criminal or something like that? I think he's, he's a villain right now. I dropped off that book because it got a little too uh, Hello Fellow Kids with oh. the... <laughs> um, the yeah. art is fantastic, and um, I am a, I do like Miles, but, like, mm-hmm. I felt like it was a little too young for me. But I think mm-hmm. he does currently have like a his own kind of, yeah. I don't want to say a clone, but like his own multiverse villain. Yeah, and so and and, and that something <laughs> like that, it just kind of gets a little like, er, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it goes back and forth. But yeah, for the most part, if it tends to deal with the multiverse, I stay a little bit away. Um, I just I'm all, I'm all about the now. Me too. You know, I do prefer. I just prefer it to have some kind of impact. Although. There was a time where I was consistently reading a multiverse book, and that was Earth 2 um, in a DC. So, like, I was oh, fine. Like, I was interested in that. Like, I think Tom Taylor was writing yeah. that at the time, yeah. He, I think he wrote a little bit of it. Um, I want to say Robinson wrote a little bit of it. And so I, I guess that's also the thing, too. If, the, if it's a multiverse, it has to feel like its own place. Yeah. I don't want to just read about the same characters in a different setting. Like, if you're going to, um, I don't, like, I already got Wolverine in one book. I don't need multiple Wolverine in my other one. Like, who else are the other people on here? Or, like, how are these characters different? And that was, I think, a benefit that Earth 2 had. You had a Hawk girl who wasn't the Shire that we've always known. You had um, 
Calvin Ellis, the black Superman who has a completely different experience. You had all the, you had a female Red Tornado, I want to mm-hmm. say. Um, you had Morella, the Queen of Atlantis. She, she was, was cool. High. She was she really was cool. High. I also really enjoyed uh, the Robin of that universe, which was Helena Wayne, I think, mm-hmm. the the daughter of Catwoman and Bruce. And uh, Bruce, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. So I see <clears> things <throat> like that when it's like that, and it is truly its own story with its own mm-hmm. characters. Yes, because even because I guess it doesn't really feel like the multiverse. It just feels like the book you're reading, um, as opposed to just seeing some more characters that I already know doing other things that don't actually matter. Were you then a fan of the ultimate line of comics? No. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> and it's not to say that any of the books were bad. I actually heard nothing but really great things about the ultimate line of comics, but I never read any of them. I would I like, dip in and out uh, every now and again. Like I remember Miles, the Spider-Man, I dipped in and out. Because um, I remember there was also the ultimate X-Men books. Mm-hmm. But when I read them, I was just like, oh, okay. This is just the, I don't really think any of this matters. It's the same. Yeah, it was, It was, because it was, again, the same team and the differences weren't different at all. They were just younger, yeah. I guess. Like the Ultimate Universe was all supposed to just be about like a starting off point for people in the early 2000s who wanted to get into comics and didn't want to go back or whatever. So they were just going to start an whole Ultimate Universe. But um, it was still just... It was like an updated version of And I think like some of the concepts they had, I remember their Scarlet Witch, she had the probability manipulation powers, but she actually had to do math to make the powers work. And like the harder the problem was, the harder the spell was for her to do. And I was like, oh, that was a cool one, a nice way to kind of limit her. Yeah. Uh, Their Taskmaster was like, did you uh, watch Young Justice? Yes. Do you remember Sportsmaster? Yes. Their taskmaster was like sports. He was more like sportsmaster. He was a black guy who mm. had like, he looked more like that where his, he was really good at his job, but like, you know, his stuff looks more like <laughs> he bought it himself. Um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like how he sports a black guy? Guys? Yeah. I really do wonder then if that guy was supposed to be taskmaster and Black Widow. See, I thought he was going to be. Originally. And he was like always trying to like find things for people to use, probably have to use his own stuff. Mm. I can see it. I see the vision. Yeah. So I thought I, that's what kind of made me think that he was going to be Taskmaster, but obviously he wasn't. Um, So yeah, I do like sometimes when there are differences like that between the two universes, but they do have to feel, probably I need more characters with differences. So it kind of feels like its own thing. Otherwise it'll feel like an Elseworlds story. Yeah. Um, Now, did you have any like, what if stories that you liked? Because I was going through the list of these and realized that Marvel had been putting out a bunch of what-if stories, but all of them now have become, like, <laughs> canon plots. Um, mm. So, like, the very first what-if story was, what if Spider-Man joined the Fantastic Four? And <laughs> <laughs> we've definitely seen that. Yeah. Um, um, I can't think of too many what-ifs that I actually either a remember reading or like enjoyed enough to go back that's not true i remember one what if it was after one of those Aveng- uh phoenix miniseries mm. and in it i and i only remember this because it was one specific panel 
I guess Emma had the power of the phoenix. She was going crazy. Jean had come back and she was in her diamond form and they were trying to stop her. And so she like transformed really fast back to human and Kitty pulled her heart out. That and, was like, a moment. That, is, that was the <laughs> only panel. Like I, that I vividly remember that panel in my head. And like as Emma falling, Kitty's like, hmm, I always wondered if you had one of these. And I was just like, damn. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, um, I don't remember anything else about that story, though, so I can't actually say that I liked it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that moment was like, oh, wow. <laughs> Who yeah. knew Kitty could get uh, down like that? Yeah, and I was like, and I remember that was one day I looked at Kitty, but again, I, I think about it like, oh, the real Kitty would never do something like that. No. Like, that's, why, that's why this is a what-if story. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, yeah, no. I, I also tend to stay away from a lot of the what-ifs. Yeah, they can be fun sometimes if they can give you a glimpse of something different. But like I said, I feel like a lot of them have kind of like ended up becoming true. Like there was a what if, what if uh, Bruce Banner had the state like with the brain of the Hulk, which we clearly have seen that a bunch of times. I'm sure they I remember there was a what if Vulcan had become the Phoenix or something like that mm-hmm. that I had read before. And that um, one was kind of interesting. I remember the what if about if that team had survived. Oh, that first team? Yeah, that first team. And, and I only remember that one because there was like a, I think there was a Captain Betsy in there. It was like a blonde oh. chick that had on like the UK suit. And the X-Men mm-hmm. had on like weird, like light blue costumes. They weren't bad. I think that's what I do enjoy about a what if, the costumes. Yeah. People tend to get some really good costumes and what ifs. I and feel it, like they let them kind of like just go for whatever. Yeah, and it's just like this is hot. This is hot. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. What if the X Men? I'm sorry. What if Vulcan absorbed the Mcon crystal and became the Phoenix? Yeah, like that doesn't sound exciting to me. It was wild. <laughs> <laughs> it was a wild time. I remember reading it and thinking, like, what is even all of this? Um, but kind of like I was saying, they can get kind of interesting, and and they let them be kind of fun there. Um. Are you interested in kind of what they're doing with the MCU and their multiverse? No. <laughs> See, for, for me and the way that it's shown in like live action versus animation or comic books or anything like that, like time in live action still kind of goes forward which is kind of been interesting to see, whereas in comic books, like how many times people die, or we don't even know how old people even are. Yeah. Um, so I really hope, though, in live action, they can put a lid <laughs> on the multiverse, because otherwise people are always just going to be asking, like, why can't we have X version or I whatever? Will, I will say I do enjoy the multiverse when it's seen more as an exploration rather than actually, like, visiting it. And I, yeah. think the Ultimates, I think the Ultimates was a really good example of that. You know, obviously they dealt with some stuff in space, but a lot of it was dealing with the timeline and meeting eternity and going through time and space and stuff like that. And they never actually did too much traveling through time or going through other places. Even, um, what's the girl who kicks the stars? America. <laughs> <laughs> you know, even America and her kind of dimension porting back and forth. Like, it was used as exploration we need to grab something and then like get back to our main timeline we're not sticking around to meet all the alternate versions of ourselves and all this kind of stuff so i enjoyed in that way and i do think the mcu is going to do that in an interesting way yeah 
do you do you think that they will follow the trope that they've used in comic books in live action by showing the uh, distinguished competition, <laughs> a version of them? No. Or do you think Just that would be because, too messy? I mean, I, I don't think it's messy. I think it would be funny, but... I, I mean, they do it all the time in the comics, right? Like, anytime they go to the multiverse somewhere, you see the Justice League. But my thing is, like, I feel like DC does it in regards to Marvel and not Do they? Yeah. Maybe. Have you seen some like. characters over there in their multiverse? There, there's a, um... What is it? I think in Infinite Frontier, one of the universes they just go, went to, it clearly has the X-Men. <laughs> do it's, they all look like it's like it's, it's definitely Jean. It's literally like Jean and Scott. They got on the visor. She's like doing some energy. He's shooting something. It's very much. There's the Avengers too. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I don't know. They might. It could be fun. People like to it laugh. It could be fun. It could be fun. I'd be interested in it. If, the, if they did it, I would hope that like fans found it fun and didn't, you know, go crazy oh. over it. Well. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do uh, you, do you uh, like it, like multiverse characters stay, or do you prefer them to go back to their own multiverse? Because I feel like awesome. a character like a bishop to me would be more interesting um, if I was exploring him, exploring other timelines or like whatever whatever his original mission was, exploring yeah. that. Versus him just being stuck in the 616. Yeah, and I remember that was something that Charles Sewell actually tried to do with him during that Astonishing run. They kind of set it up that he was tracking uh, apocalyptic events in the timeline to try and stop them. Very TVA. And so, damn, that would be good for him right now. That'd right? Like, I might write that down. That's a relaunch right there. Uh, <laughs> the Exiles? Yeah. Um, the Bishop leading them? Yeah, I've seen the vision. <laughs> uh, uh, but no, you know, again, uh, that was kind of something they had him do. So yeah, it's interesting. And Bishop, I think, is one of the exceptions to the rule for me. Obviously, I really love Bishop, uh, and but I think he's the character where originally was supposed. Anyways, <laughs> he was originally from like the future and he was trying to prevent his future and now obviously that's branched off into an alternate timeline so he's kind of stuck here we've never really seen if there's a version of him in this universe and it's like it's cool but i guess then i would like to see it explored as more as him you know being the anomaly in this yeah. space and time and how he reacts to that and again i don't think that they don't go deep enough with bishop to do all of that anyway he's trying to kill that little girl and now it's been like quiet <laughs> <laughs> And which, like, she alive now, so let's move on. She alive, and we on paradise. Who cares? Let's let it go. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there's that. But for the most part, no. Like, Rachel is a character. She could leave. Um, who else exists that's alternate reality? But the, I mean, Hyperion and all those kind of characters, whenever they stay. Uh, yeah, even them. Like, I, th- I thought I was becoming a Squadron Supreme fan, but, like, I've had a little bit of time to digest it, and I'm mm-hmm. not. <laughs> and that's not to say that Heroes Reborn was not a fantastic summer event because it truly was, but I don't care about Squad of Spring. <laughs> like, they were fun in the context of that event. I do not want to actually read about them by themselves. Yeah. What about, you know, there's characters like Dark Beast 
or uh, any of those Age of Apocalypse characters who may have still like. So, but things. So again, I like the Age of Apocalypse, so I can't really see. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm kind of okay with that. But the Age of Apocalypse, I feel like that was a really good example of. It was different, but it also mattered because a lot of those characters came over and they've been making like Dark Beast has been terrorizing people forever. Beast is Dark Beast now, so you don't really need. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And. You know, but I wouldn't want the Bedlam from Age of Apocalypse to come over. No, because I got the regular one. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Dark Beast, that's hot. I mean, but, but kind of like you said, we basically have that now. Yeah, and that's the thing now that we have him. It's like, he's kind of redundant. So what do we need him for anymore? Mm-hmm. So I guess, no, he doesn't need to stay. <laughs> I guess none of these alternate reality or these other verse characters need to stay. Yeah, Except I've always Miles. Miles can stay because well, technically now he is from like six one six proper in his universe. Venom killed his mom, like he was off on a mission, and Venom killed his mom. But mm-hmm. in we saw in Secret Wars, um, which I thought was a very cool moment, that when the universe is being rebuilt by Molecule Man because Miles had gave him that burger, he said, "I'll always remember that kindness you served me." Never, I'll never forget that. And when everybody woke up and the universe was back together, his gift to him was his mom. Um, so uh, I, I find it interesting that they were kind of able to like work him <laughs> really into this. Um, I mean, kind of when you think about it, that was probably like the main point of Secret Wars was basically just to bring Miles over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Huh. Well. It worked. I'm cool with it. That's fine. Right. Um, but like characters like Cable. No, he can go. You know, I don't really. I feel like they can get a little. Those time displaced multiversal Adam characters. Adam Pryor can go. She's, yep. Um, Rachel yep. can go. A lot of the Summer's Gray Clan can go. Nate Gray can go. Agreed. There's a, a lot of them on the X Men. Well, X Men deals a lot with time travel. I feel like that's because. Very rarely do they ever like bring in Avengers or any of the street level character like their villains or something to work with. So they just deal with time and just fight themselves. (laughs) 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 Oh, but no, I could do without the multiverse, to be honest. I'm sorry if you're a lover of it. Again, I can see where it can be fun, but just overall, I would rather not. Yeah, I've, I've. It seems to be very popular, and it seems to be the way they're going with like the MCU, and who knows what they're doing with the Marvel multiverse. Obviously, DC, that's their thing. Like, that's been their thing, but I don't know what Marvel's doing, but... Um, Even for something me- like Injustice, mm. which, is, which is supposed to be like a very good book. I just... I liked it. I didn't finish I, it all. Cause I think there was another... Injustice 2? I'd never read Injustice 2, but I, I did read the first one. I always heard amazing things about it, but I could just never bring myself to care about any of it that was going on. Mm-hmm. I was just like, so when it ends, what's going to happen? Like, it's not going to matter anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For me, the writing and the story was good, and the game was great. Um, the game is fantastic. The game is hot. I also do play Injustice 2. Um, but, yeah, I can see what you mean. But, like, by the end of it, it's like, okay, the end, now what? Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
that's our little chat on the multiverse. Definitely let us know if, what you guys feel about the multiverse. If you have favorite multiverse or characters that you like out there, different versions of them, hit us up. Let's take a break and then we will come back for another rewatch. All right, guys, we are back for another rewatch of our Loki finale. We got yes. some big surprises. We got a lot of things explained in here. We saw some things. So um, let's start out. Overall, how did you feel about the show, Loki? It was boring. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to just go ahead and come out and say it. I'm sorry. Okay. It was rather boring. I thought that the... Um, Last two episodes were interesting. Um, the third one I thought was also kind of interesting. <clears throat> um, but overall, the show itself was kind of boring. I didn't think we need more Loki. Um, although I do think that like the finale itself was... The finale itself was good because it stuck the landing. Like In my opinion, as far as what they were trying to introduce with this, this was clearly their way of really doing the multiverse and variants, you know, um, for any for any fans of clones or anything out there. This is the perfect way for you to basically introduce the idea of clones and everything so people, like, audiences get used to that or to that concept. So that stuff was great. I mean, also, Jonathan Majors' Kang was fantastic. Chef's Kiss, we love that. Yes. <laughs> but, um, like, the show overall, I thought was kind of boring even the like the reveal quote-unquote of him like being bisexual i felt like was whatever i i I appreciate that it was kind of thrown in there but then i didn't think that he needed to like have this love story with sylvie yeah i didn't i didn't like sylvie well (laughs) i think even even for like what she the purpose she served i didn't enjoy the character at all in one mm-hmm. bit. I thought she was sad. And so, you know, getting to the episode a little bit, because I'll talk about that as I talk about her. Um, you know, we find Loki and Sylvie, they have reached the end of time, the big castle with the person who's been controlling everything. They come into contact with Miss Minutes, who was like a great little woman, little time clock. Side note, did you know that Tara Strong? Tara Strong is her, voice, her actress? voice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and a resume. A, I mean, truly a legend. A resume. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and so, you know, they come into contact with her and she kind of tries to give them a decision that they can make to not do this and get whatever they want. But of course, they believe it's a trap, so they keep going and they end up running into this man, Jonathan Majors, who we all know has been cast as Kang. Although, I don't think they actually ever call him Kang in the episode. They don't, no. He goes by, like, you know, he, he says, I've been called many things uh, ruler, conqueror, a jerk, he who remains. So he kind of goes, and I will say, that I agree that the show has been boring and that I feel as though a lot of things lacked in terms of the emotion and the connection of the characters. And I will say that Jonathan Majors and his 47 minutes on this show was more <laughs> charismatic, captivating, and exciting than anything I have seen in the entirety of the six episodes here. Yes. Extremely talented. The performance he puts on and how he explains things and how he does it and how he just kind of 
what he does with Kang, you can easily see why he was cast in this role. And I, mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine seeing all the tapes and seeing anybody else's after his. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would be like, that's... Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, that's crazy. Um, so shout out to him. And it's also been just really awesome to see his rise as an actor from The Last Black Man in San Francisco, a movie if you've never seen, please go and see it. It's amazing to where he is now. And he sold it. I love the wardrobe of Kang. I loved how he explained the variants and how time worked and how we got to the space. I love the effects that came with the powers that he was using. He was making like little versions of himself. Um, I love how he explained that he was how he was dodging their attacks when they tried to kill him. It was just like all really great. The whole um, Council of Kings things was cool to see. That's yeah. very like comic accurate. We've seen some stuff like that before. I also appreciate that they said that you know he was from the 30th century. And how he discovered, like, you know, time travel and all that kind of stuff. Uh, because when you really stop and think about it, Kang is really just a man. Okay. <laughs> like, uh, which was interesting to hear them say in, in this episode when they finally met him. And they were like, you're just a man. And, yeah. like, Kang doesn't have any powers. He's truly just a man. <laughs> like, truly. The weakest yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> a man. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, and so, yeah, I thought that that was really great. I... But, and, and again, and it kind of brought off like some of my frustrations with like Sylvie and them, uh, Loki and this, because they just give you nothing. Like yeah, here, John, here, Jonathan K- uh, Cagers, Major is giving you like this super great performance, just like bringing you in. And he they're just sitting there looking at him, stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, even when they kind of try and interact with each other and have their moments, when Loki is trying to convince her not to kill him, I, I just don't buy it. It just doesn't work for me. It feels very stilted. It feels very wooden. Honestly, I don't think I enjoy this character arc of Loki trying to kind of make him into this somewhat of a good guy. I'm sorry. I like my villains villains. And I get they've already kind of done it with like the other Loki, and this is supposed to be a different one, so he doesn't have to go on the same path. But I don't know. I'm just not into it. I feel like... I think I said this before, that like him going on a different path doesn't sit right with me because... He was supposed to have just tried to conquer New York. Yeah, so like this is really, <laughs> it's a real sudden hill turn. It's just like, okay, this is strange. Um, and I just don't buy it. But yeah, I, I was not into that at all. I will say I was very into the relationship of Ravana and Mobius, though. I really mm. do actually think the show would have focused a lot more on them um, and just their dynamic and the TVA in general. I think I always said I really enjoyed the TVA. I always said, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. You know, you're like a um, so, you know, I was like, okay, we could see more of them. And even the way they kind of ended things with Mobius, uh, you know, confronting her and just yeah. the conversation she had. And she was like, you know, we're never the people in charge. Like, that guy is. And it's like, that's who I need to go see. And so, again, it's going to be really exciting to see how that continues on with, as we, as you mentioned, Ravana and Kang were in a relationship together. So it's like, going to see yeah, them together. Like- he is willing to shut it all down <laughs> for <Yeah>. her. <laughs> so that'll be really interesting to see. I wonder, where do you think she's going? Obviously, she's going to go look for him, but do you think that, like, um, she's going directly to him? Do you think that he gave her files? Because it seemed as though uh, Ms. Minutes came and was like, you know, here, I'm downloading this stuff to your tempad right now. And she yeah. looked at it and was like, you know, this isn't what I asked for. And Ms. Minutes said, well, this is what he thinks you need. And she yeah. was like, who is he? And that was no, it. I, I definitely think he gave it to her and she's going straight to him or like a variant of him, obviously, now. <laughs> uh, 
but I think he knows that she's that girl. Do you think that like she is going to be like the thing that like is his crutch, like like she is in the comics, or do you think she's just gonna go over and join him, (laughs) and they just kind of you know, I think conquer time together. I think it'll be a little both. I think she'll come over, like they'll start to do some things together, but I think she'll eventually die, and that'll probably Mm. send him on that like, all right, now all y'all gonna suffer. (laughs) I'm with it. I was about to say, I love it. That's true. Love. <laughs> Destroy the world for me, please. Please. Um, I, know that's I always think about, I always think about, have you started watching Castlevania yet? I did. I'm only like a few episodes in, though. But I always think about like how after they killed Dracula's wife, and he was like, all right, oh, yeah. I'm gonna give y'all. <laughs> and he was like, all right, okay, I'm gonna give y'all a year to like get it together and leave this place. And what they do on the year, they like Nothing. had a party celebrating killing her. <laughs> <laughs> and so Dracula came down and was like, y'all thought I was playing. And like, now the world will end. And it's just like, yes. And it's just like, for no other reason. I loved her, you got rid of her. So I'm totally gonna be here for that. If it, when it happens. Um, mm-hmm. I would love for her to survive though. And them just be like a power duo. Cause I love it. Oh, you know, I love a power duo. Do you yeah. think that, um she will return in Loki season two, or do you think she's going to go off and probably follow wherever they have multiverse pop-ups, you know, with Mm -hmm. him? Do you think that she'll be in that or just, because clearly at the end of this, they announced there's a Loki season two coming. I forgot that there was a Loki season two coming. I still don't understand it, but I guess the show was popular. Um, I I also think think that the, um, the actor, I can't think of his name, uh, yeah, Tom Hiddleston. He is very popular. True, that's a word. Um, I do think that she'll be in Loki season two, but I also think that she might still pop up in some other places as well. Mm. I wonder. No, I was about to say I'm trying to think of anywhere in like the Disney Plus shows that they might show up. Oh, uh, that's all mainly like street level stuff right now. Yeah. My word. <laughs> that's all you. <laughs> yeah. um, so I think because Ant-Man and the Wasp is supposed to kind of like be the next follow-up of the timeline yeah. type of thing, right? Because I and we yeah. might get a little bit of Eternals. Oh yeah, and you never know what post-credit scenes afterwards. True. Yeah. You know. Love a post-credit scene. Yeah. Um. So I mean, like after they were done explaining everything about his entire timeline and stuff, which I thought was a perfect way to really stick the landing as far as introducing Kang because mm-hmm. um you know everyone has been trying to guessing what would be the next build up villain right we've just spent 10 years building up to Thanos and then we get to the end of Thanos but um it's kind of hard to do that again <laughs> with this and not look like you're just basically doing the same thing again and sure you could probably just drop everyone into like a Galactus level threat or something like that but if you really want to build towards a villain, it's interesting to do the build up by introducing a version of him that isn't as bad. So then that way, the bad version that's coming in, you don't really have to explain too much. They can just be bad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's, and you can always have and like he's in the spot now where he can pop up in multiple things just because like this is Kang, this is the variant, the Council of Kangs, all that good stuff. Like he can come up and just be as bad or the worst as you need him to be. Love yeah. that. I love that. John the Major's gonna be fun to see. Oh yeah. I hope they really I nice. can't wait to see him in a nice thigh high boot. 
I really hope they do the purple dye highs. And I, I'm, I'm hopeful they do the helmet as well. I think they will definitely get the helmet. The helmet needs to be done. I love a headpiece. I'm not sure about the thigh highs. As much as I want them, I don't know how you make so, those onto the screen. I feel like at the end, so when we get to the end of Loki, he kind of, uh, Sylvie does kill Kang, um, setting on the heart. that well, every time that these things are bad towards the end, it's always a white woman. <laughs> it's always a white woman. You look up, I guarantee the next time, the next time you're driving or going somewhere, and there's like some kind of slowdown in traffic, guarantee is a white woman at the center of it. Okay, we'll be looking out for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, she does kill Kang, but she sends Loki through the portal to go back to the TVA. Um, and now the world is going into chaos, or the timeline is going into chaos. And Loki gets back and he runs into Mobius and the agent and they're talking about, oh, why does he want this to look through the pad? And Loki starts talking about everything that's going on. They realize, or Loki realizes they don't know who he is, and he looks over and he, we see the statue of He Who Remains, aka Kang, and he has on like what looked like a little bit of his comic costume. Yeah, it was definitely his comic costume. And so he had the purple thing and the little green smock. So I'm hoping that there are some thigh highs that we will see at some point. Now, did that scene mean that he was just placed into another another timeline? Because at the end of all of the whole conversation. Uh, Kang, I'm, I'm kind of think of him as like maybe Immortus. Kang has got so many different names, and Immortus was one of them. He also was uh, Ramatut was his original thing when he went back in time to try to be a conqueror then, which will be interesting to see if they ever do any kind of like Easter eggs with that. Because when Kang went back and wanted to go into ancient Egypt and kind of rule that time, he got stopped by uh, two main factors and it was the fantastic four they were time traveling and like kind of stopped him and the other one was apocalypse who defeated yeah. him and took all his tech yeah so i wonder if they would like try to introduce either of those through whatever kind of kang story which would be not only comic accurate but a lot of fun i think I would I would think so, but also again I think that's the beauty of now like having the variants and kind of establishing that there are so many of them they can do all of those and yeah. put them in different spaces. We could see like a Ramata in Eternals. That's very true. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know. Um, but did he? So when they sent when Loki or Sylvie I should say when Lo, Sylvie pushed him through that uh, door and he went over to B15 and Mobius and explained everything, were we supposed to then? Ex- say that he is in a different timeline or is he in one that like Kang has already conquered and that is why he was the that why that statue of him was there like what was the point of showing us that's that's that that statue I feel like it was to show that he was in a different timeline or just that the trajectory of his timeline had changed I don't know. See, this, this is what I'd be saying about why, like the multiverse. You can't really get into it that deep. It's just like, no. It's, it's just, like, what? <laughs> I'm just going to say he's in a different timeline. Okay. One but not, not the one that he was in before. Yeah. Okay. Because it's no longer just the sacred timeline. We've got the branches of the multiverse. So he's in another place. Or is it still our, like, sacred timeline? Because they were looking at the Tempad and all those branches were coming off. Maybe they sent him back to the point in time. 
I don't know. I'm confusing myself. <laughs> We're just going to wait for the Multiverse of Madness to find out, I guess. Child, or Loki season and, two. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to watch it. Well, I'll watch Loki season two. The directors left. Or the did director, they? She, um, Kate Heron, they announced that I didn't she, know that. she wasn't coming back for the second season, but apparently she has her own other projects that she's working on, and that's why. Um, I wonder if the writers will also come back. <laughs> Do you not want them to? <laughs> I wouldn't mind someone else getting a chance to write Loki. I think that yeah. would be well, now it seems like that season two is going to be what we thought season one was going to be with him jumping around into different times because now it seems like he's going to be dealing with the fallout of the multiverse and all that stuff. So I, just don't I also think that um, the moment that the multiverse started to split open or whatever, mm-hmm. or not split open, branch off, is the moment that Scarlet Witch heard the kids in... Uh, oh. she was going through the book Ooh, because you know, if I you remember that. at the beginning of Loki of this episode we heard all those voices and all those different uh, like moments of actors saying all this stuff all mm-hmm. throughout time all throughout the entire timeline of the MCU mm-hmm. and that just made me think that oh that must have been what Wanda heard when she was going through the Ooh. The books. So she heard like this. I mean, the voices that she heard were her kids, but they were screaming for her as mom, which was like in the past. So I thought that maybe she heard that, and that is what caused her to. Oh, get so you think maybe like when she goes to the multiverse, she won't actually find the boys? She may. I assume she will, because like oh, those. Okay. But those I was about to say, if that, if that means we can't get Billy, I don't like that theory. No, I think that she heard. I think that she heard the voices like as she was. When when the multiverse like split open, she heard that and that was what made her okay go off because she's like she probably heard those voices and was like oh my gosh they exist somewhere, and now in Loki we see that they do exist somewhere. Okay, I like that theory. It's cool. It's fun. Yeah, that's kind of nice what I thought that kind of kind of brought it together. Bring some interconnectivity to it all. Yeah. I love it. I mean, I figured Loki. they had to connect to Wanda somehow since she will also be in the Loki. multiverse of madness. So. I don't know how I feel about that movie. I heard it's gonna be scary. I do love a good horror, but again, I won't. I don't think it's gonna be horror horror like that. But I think it's gonna have some jump scares. (laughs) Cautiously optimistic. Yeah, that's what I. What would What would you rate this entire show like the season and the finale? A C C. Okay. C. I agree that I think it was a little bit boring. I don't think a lot of the cast had chemistry together. It was kind of like a slog to get through. I would find myself really delayed to watch it. Even like with the new Wednesday drop, I was still just kind of like, ugh, I gotta watch Loki at some point. I would put it off to like Friday or right before uh, Saturday mornings. And, but again, I will say that I think a lot of it was beautifully shot. There were a lot of nice colors. Some of the effects were really great. It did have some nice action scenes. Again, I think the 47 minutes that Jonathan Majors had on screen was divine. Can't wait for more of him. But overall, I would rate it a lot. It's probably been my least favorite. No, it has been my least favorite Disney Plus series so far. And in terms of like a greater MCU, I would put it more towards the lower half. Yeah, I agree with that. I probably would give it a strong, a solid C. C, C minus somewhere in there um 
And the finale, though, I do think I will give it the credit that it deserves. And I do think that it kind of landed, it stuck the finale. Mm-hmm. Um, because I do recall most people thinking that at the end of the timeline, it was going to be another Loki. Um, mm-hmm. Probably because so many people had been burnt <laughs> from the Mephisto thing that uh, no one <laughs> no one wanted to guess that it was going to be Kang at the end of it or something mm-hmm. because that would be what you expected. Um, but I think that they really stuck the landing of Kang and the introduction yeah. of him was great. Um, so I thought that I thought the finale as an episode, while the the act the fight scene in it was a little unnecessary. Like I don't know why Loki and Sylvie yeah. were fighting that, other than the fact that y'all needed a fight scene, <laughs> you know. Um, but other than that, like it it wrapped up everything really well. It set you up for some stuff in the future. The finale I would give like an eight point five. I thought it was really good, mostly off of the strength of Jonathan Majors and him explaining his Kang and everything. Um, but the show, C, C minus. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah. Shout out to Jonathan Majors. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll be seeing some news, some more of him. That'll be interesting to see what he does going forward. I hope that he, Kang is someone that they never like beat. They just have to like stop. So uh, I wonder how long he's going to be in these movies or if they're going to kind of like kill him off. You know how they do with villains. Mm, That is true. That's a word. But I think he'll be around for a while. I hope so. I like to look at him. Um, All right, (laughs) y'all. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. Oh, oh, and next week we will be starting a reread and we are going to be doing uh, Avengers No Surrender. Yeah, Pepe Larez. Pepe Larez art. I know we've been talking about that one for a while. So if we wanted to get back into like some fun summer stuff with the <laughs> with some superheroes, so that should be a lot of fun. Um, so definitely check this out next week. Um, but that brings us to the end of the show. You can find us on Twitter at Another Relaunch. You can find us on YouTube if you want to watch the show at Another Relaunch TV. You can send us questions, comments, any of your own concerns to Another Relaunch at gmail.com. You can find me on most social media platforms. I'm on Kenny LZ. Keenan, where can they find you? You can find me at Keenan Lance. You know there's an underscore at the end. <laughs> All right, y'all. Let's get up out of here and we will catch y'all next week. Peace out.